Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to extend an invite to our new Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st, running every second week. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we get to share mind and business growth tips and strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Just head on over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. I feel so incredibly fortunate and grateful to be doing what I'm doing today. For those of you who have heard my story, you know that I've overcome 22 years of addiction to drugs and alcohol and food and pretty much anything else that one could be addicted to. But I think the hardest part was overcoming those limiting beliefs that told me that I wasn't worth anything, that I was never going to do what I truly love and that I just had to settle for a life that really didn't give me any joy and fulfillment. You know, I honestly, in my first few years of recovery, it was great. I learned how to build that foundation, but I really just thought that I just needed to be happy with what I've been given. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I was, but I soon realized, you know, later on in my recovery that I actually did have a purpose. You know, there was a reason for me being here and there was a reason that I overcame those 22 years of addiction because it was really just life educating me for this very moment. And now I've been able to use that as skills that have helped me to really help others define their purpose and live the life that they're truly meant to live. Now, before we get into today's interview, which is with my friend Mariah Morgan, Just a reminder, we have our first Collaboration Zone Zoom call starting July 1st. I'm going to be alternating time zones every second week. So if one doesn't work for you, make sure you check out the other. You can book in advance. Space will be limited because this is highly interactive. We're going to be doing some training for the intro and then we're going to basically be doing a speed connection round where you get to introduce who you are, what you do, what services you can provide and also ask for connections, for feedback, for advice from other members within the group. So this is a great way to network and enhance your skills or complement what you're already doing because there is so many different 
um, specialties that people within the group have, and we can all help each other grow and scale our businesses. At the end, we're going to be doing 10-minute hot seats or a member training where one of our lucky members will get selected in advance to really showcase and do a 10-minute training of their area of expertise to help you grow your business. So come join us. These will be recorded and also launched as a podcast interview. So come to the call shining at your best because this not only promotes you and what you do, but it can help connect you with like-minded individuals. All right, let's get into today's episode where we chat with Mariah Morgan, who is the co-host of the Making Headway podcast and founder of Stout Heart. Now, we talk about her overcoming adversity in such a big way. She was hit by a vehicle, suffered a brain injury. And, you know, this is what I mean by there's so many different types of recovery and recovery encompasses so much. So she shares that story, how she overcame that or how she has the resilience to continue to get through uh, her struggles, right? Because it's ongoing, it's ongoing work, but how she's been able to utilize that experience to now help other people who have also suffered from brain injuries. We also talk about the mistakes that people make when it comes to branding, because that is her area of expertise. So make sure you take lots of notes and I'll see you at the end of the show. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with Mariah Morgan, the founder of Stout Heart and co-host of the Making Headway podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing good. It's uh, Friday as we record this. And even though every day is kind of Friday now, <laughs> but why don't you start off by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about what you do today? Sure. Um, so Mariah Morgan and I am a first and foremost, I'm a mother, I'm a, a sister, I'm a wife, I'm a, a friend of many people. Um, kind of from all over the country. Um, but I started my entrepreneurial journey. I can't believe it, but it's going to be six years in May. Um, interestingly, I started my business on the 13th of May and there's a, a weird recurring 13 in my life, which I'm sure we'll get to, but, um, <laughs> I started Stout Heart. We're a marketing agency, um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We're about an hour North of Boston. It sounds podunk. It's actually not, it's a, a gem of a city. And I started my business because I've worked in marketing and advertising my entire life and um, got to the point where I decided I'd really like to sleep at night feeling good about what I was doing. And that's not always something you have the option to do in marketing. And the thing that kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back for me was I had a, a an agency experience where I was director of client service and my bosses brought on a payday loan company as a client. And for me, that's very clearly predatory lending. And I said, I'm sorry, for the first time in, in my career, no, the answer is no, I will not work on this. And they said, that's fine, pick someone on your team to manage it. And so I had to, because that was my job. But at, at that point I was like, I'm done with this. I don't want, if I'm, if I'm saying no to something, somebody on my team should not have the option or not not have the option. So, um, so Stout Heart was born as a result. We work with a lot of mission-driven businesses, um, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of companies who are doing good in the world. Um, trying to spread some positivity in uh, the way we market. Um, so that's the way Stout Heart was born. And um, it's been a quite a journey, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it sounds like a good one. I, I love what you guys are doing. Now, I believe that because of all the things that I've overcome in my life, I've developed this resilience, right, to keep moving through difficult situations. Now, you also, you know, faced adversity. Um, you know, not all that long ago, you were actually hit by a car and suffered a traumatic brain injury. Can you yes. get into that? Oh boy, how long do we have here? Um <laughs> <laughs> we got a couple hours. <laughs> So yes, um, actually, it, to go back really quickly, I actually found out I was pregnant with my first child two months after starting my business. So my husband and I were like, okay, well, here we go. I mean, you know, this is life. This is going to be a tough one. Let's get through this. So um, it was tough. We thought that was going to be one of the hardest things we'd ever gotten through. And then two and a half years after I, the business was started, I was, we were renovating our house at the time. So we had moved into an apartment in the downtown area of where we live. And so my walk to work, my commute, if you will, was literally two blocks. It was lovely. <laughs> um, and But it was on one of those mornings that I was walking my two blocks to work and I stopped at a crosswalk and looked both ways, was not carrying my phone in my hand. So many people ask that. I was doing my due diligence. Um, stepped into the crosswalk. It was kind of like a rainy, drizzly, not not pouring rain, but a drizzly day. And it was also the day after Veterans Day. And in New England, we celebrate Veterans Day. Schools are off. So most people are off of work that day. So it felt like a Monday and it should have been as busy as a Monday, but it was eerily quiet. I remember thinking that as I was, you know, strolling down, down the sidewalk. So stepped into the crosswalk. And I saw out of the corner of my eye an SUV approaching one of the stop signs at this four-way intersection and thought, you know, by the time I'm through, you know, to the yellow line, they'll, I'll be fine, you know. But the last thing I remember really clearly after that was a fender hitting my knee. And then um, I did not, my memories are very, very spotty and in, in a way that's a blessing. <laughs> Uh, somehow like the the brain has a way of omitting some of the trauma perhaps for your sake perhaps just because it's got other things to tend to but um what happened was i went up on the hood of the car the driver braked as quickly as he could it was a young man who was late to work and uh inertia had me fly forward despite the fact that the car stopped i flew probably a hundred feet and bounced on the on the road um wow. and among other things yes was um had a severe subdural hematoma was rushed to the hospital and uh put into a medically induced coma uh, i was in there for about two days and emerged on my own and it's been one of those things that i've had to revisit many times since i'm only two and a half years out really but um but it's a very strange time in my life because, you know, I have selective memories of what was happening when they tell you that people in a, a coma do have memories from it. I do, actually. Uh, they're not good memories. <laughs> I remember my husband rubbing my arm and singing one of my favorite songs to me. And I remember hearing in his voice that he was crying. My eyes were closed. I remember opening my eyes and seeing the priest from my church there and having a moment where I was like, huh, I'm going to close my eyes again. <laughs> um, I remember very quick snippets of our best friends visiting me in the hospital um, and seeing them there and thinking 
just similar to the priest thing, like, this must not be good. Gonna close my eyes. <laughs> um, but after emerging from the coma, it was clear that I was incredibly fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, the neurologist who we worked with showed on our scans how much swelling there was in my brain as a result of the impact. And literally, if it had gone a hair further, like a hair, I'm not exaggerating it, they would have had to open my skull up. And they were incredibly concerned about what that recovery would look like for me, um, whether the part of the brain that was impacted was is very speech and sort of day-to-day um, -day activity related. And so they were worried that I was not going to remember how to brush my teeth or that I was gonna be missing words. And I was really lucky in that that did not impact me as severely as they thought it would. Nonetheless, when you're recovering from a brain injury, it is a long process. And so um, really the way I remember the first three to six months after was being a zombie. Um, and not being allowed to pick my own child up because they were worried about strain in the head because no matter what you're bracing yourself and you know using every muscle despite the fact that you might not realize it um, and also the impact on my business I was away from my business for three months entirely and then um, transitioned back very slowly sooner than I should have and um, you know, we're a very small business. So as much as I would love not to be the face of it, sometimes I am. And that really hit us hard. Our biz dev was significantly impacted by my absence, which was awful because it was like, I needed more than anything not to be there, but the business needed more than anything for me to be there. So it was a constant push pull, um, you know, me trying to figure out what I was able to give it. Um, and it's sucking up every last bit of energy I could give. So, so yeah, that's a, <laughs> in a nutshell, a really crazy time. Um, you know, I'm two and a half years out and I still struggle with some side effects, most often when I'm fatigued, but, um, but you know, you have doctors tell you often enough that it's a miracle you're alive and you begin to accept it and almost embrace it and, um, the uh, effect on my life has been, you know, <laughs> after that first sort of physical recovery period, the emotional recovery was incredibly difficult, but having gotten through both of those, um, I'm actually strangely grateful for it. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that um, I can't even imagine going through that. Now, I know that a lot of people that probably would have been in your your a similar situation to you a lot of people give up you know i see a lot of people especially during covid right there's people that are struggling right now and instead of looking okay what is the opportunity i can take out of this and how can i come back even stronger they do give up so you know what were there times over the last couple of years that you did want to give up oh absolutely um and i actually did not realize this and nor should anybody not too many people like research traumatic brain injuries before they actually get one but i randomly saw on social media a couple months after my accident that uh something like it depending on the study 27 to 45 percent of traumatic brain injury survivors suffer from depression and at the moment that i saw it it was a an aha moment for me because I am an incredibly positive person. I'm a go-getter as some people would call it 
total type A overachiever. Like you tell me to go a mile, I'll go three, just to prove that I can, um, almost to a fault. But in that moment that I saw that statistic, I was like, ah, this makes so much sense. And I'm glad I stumbled across it because I was in by far the darkest place I've ever been in in my life and very out of character. And I could not figure out why. And it made me feel incredibly guilty too, because like, you know, I'm a mother. I, you know, I want to be there for my children. I, I run my business. I'm the figurehead. I am sort of like the cheerleader, the team leader. I have to be the one to keep things going and put on the happy face. But my spirits were seriously flagging to the point where I was having some pretty dark thoughts that I never would normally. So I quickly got myself into therapy and I'm so grateful for that because it has changed my life and I will never stop going. My husband actually is always like, you know, do you think you still need to go? I'm like, uh, at this point, it's just day-to-day -day maintenance. We're, we're in it. <laughs> so um, therapy was a huge help for me. But yes, I, I really um, was struggling with, you know, looking at the numbers in my business and like, you know, things plummeted. Should I keep the doors open and feeling like I was failing in every aspect of my life, physically, emotionally, parentally, business wise, you know, everything felt like a failure and for an overachiever that is one of the worst feelings ever. So, yes, um, and I think no matter what as an entrepreneur and I will generalize, but I think no matter what if you've started a business there are times where you're like why the heck did I do this. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to go to work and be able to leave it at work when I leave at the end of the day, you know, like or say I'm going on vacation and not worry about what's happening at, at your business while you're out. Um, so I think there was a tremendous amount of struggle in that first year in particular, um, where I was like, maybe this is the point where I close this business. I've poured heart and soul and sweat and tears into it, but let's be realistic about what these numbers are doing. But I think that when you get hit by a car, you kind of have this thing you can say to yourself for the rest of your life on a bad day where you're like, did anybody get hit by a car? nope all right we keep going <laughs> so that's kind of my mentality at this point is you know pushing forward and i think that people who survive severe, severe trauma of any kind and i'm not a doctor and i'm not sure a doctor could even make this statement but i'm gonna say it i think when you survive any kind of trauma it means you have some kind of grit to you um and i think there are fighters you know out there and you know, I think you might see me on a, on the street and say like, I look like a nice lady, but I'm a fighter inside. Like I've got a little bit of stubborn grit to me and I will not let something like that, you know, get me down or kill me for that matter. So, <laughs> and yeah. you know, I loved how you mentioned the word overachiever because I hear it come up so often with people who have overcome adversity, addiction, and who have actually found their purpose. You know, I see the flip side too, where people have been through things in their lives and it almost paralyzes them. And it almost did for me too. You know, I went through about a five-year time span where I thought, okay, I've got the career, everything is good in my life, I'm sober, I should just be happy with what I have. But I am an overachiever and I couldn't be happy with what I had because I had this like just this desire burning inside of me that was like, no, you're meant for something more. You have to keep going. Never and, 
ever enough. <laughs> Keep going. Yep. It, and, <laughs> I and I, <laughs> yeah. And I think you need that trait to be almost to become an entrepreneur because, like you said, it's not always easy. But when you have that purpose, you know, in the back of your mind, and you're like, okay, I know exactly why I'm doing this every day. I think it becomes this mission that you go on. So, you know, what keeps you motivated today, and how do you handle the emotions that come up? Because I know I have a pretty regimented routine that I do to make sure that I stay on track and focused. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I've never struggled with the what keeps me going piece, because not only do I have, you know, like, reasons to live in my family and the life I have, but like, it's just always kind of been that fire in me from the very, you know, early stages of my life. So, so that is the thing that has always kept me going is like this drive to achieve. That said, for me, the struggle has not been what keeps you going, but how do you slow yourself down? And honestly, I joke that like I had to get hit on the head really hard to learn this lesson, but it's true. My brain injury was the thing that made me stop and look at my life and realize, oh, when you're sitting in a hospital contemplating your life, you don't worry about all the, you know, I should have spent more time in the office. I should have, you know, emailed my clients more often. I should have, you know, made my team work harder. You look at your life and say, I should have spent more time with my family. I should have been kinder to my team. I should have, you know, been kinder to my clients. And so, and also maybe most importantly, I should have been kinder to myself. Um, because I think when you're an overachiever, you measure your success by achievement or trophies in your life. And that's not actually the thing that you think about when you're sitting in a hospital wondering, like, am I going to live? Um, so for me, that has been the thing that has informed my routine the most. I would say, you know, finding a way to temper my um, type A overachiever attitude toward life and make sure I slow myself down for the sake of my brain, honestly, because at this point, one of the biggest side effects I have from my brain injury is if I don't allow myself to rest, I get brain fog or I have days where I'm just, you know, kind of snap back to zombie phase where like, I'm just trying to keep swimming, <laughs> but there's not a whole lot of, you know, personality happening. And so in order to be me, I have to be nice to myself. And that's really hard when you're an overachiever, I think. Um, so what I do is in the morning, I make sure that I have at least 30 minutes of quiet to myself. I wake up early. It's really hard. I have two kids now. And um, I make sure that I block off my lunch at work. Um, and actually, thanks to my therapist, that was one of the things that she helped me realize that I needed a brain break in the middle of the day. And what I do at this point, actually, is I draw for an hour during my lunch break. Just it's a, it's a brain exercise that is does not cause fatigue for me. It kind of is renewing in a way. And also making sure that I have sort of a brain accountability buddies in my life at home. That's my husband. He knows better than anyone when he can see that I'm starting to go into a brain fog or I'm not, you know, acting like myself. Um, and him knowing that I probably at that point need rest, he will order me upstairs or wherever to get some alone time. Um, and I have a friend at work who takes care of that for me. And oddly, one of my best, best friends who 
was actually that visitor in the hospital room um, that strange day. Um, also had a brain injury a couple years after me. And so she's my general brain accountability buddy. Um, she's the one who I talk to about, you know, when I'm having a tough time and I'm that person for her too. And it's so nice to have somebody who actually understands, you know, our brain injuries were very different, but just having someone who even remotely understands what that feels like and, and what you're going through is such an incredible help. So those have been the most important changes that I've made as a result, I would say. And you just nailed it with the support piece because I know I know when I got sober, you know, I didn't want to ask for help. I thought, you know, I'm 36 years old. I'm an adult now. I should be able to do this on my own, you know. But and you're I, an overachiever. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I don't need help. Yeah. And Exactly. <laughs> sitting down with someone and, you know, them saying, OK, let's talk about this stuff and, you know, going, OK, very reluctantly because I fought every part of recovery in the beginning. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. But I get I think I was so desperate not to revert back into my old ways because I, too, suffered from depression, anxiety. And, it you know, at the end, at my bottom, I wanted to end my life like I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But I think there's definitely something to be said about surrounding yourself with people who understand what you've gone through no matter what and therapy i do the same thing right i still go to therapy even though today i have a way like much more happy and fulfilled life but building that solid community of support around you is super important absolutely and i think you know if if we've learned anything as a society during the pandemic i think it's you know even the most introverted of us and i am an introvert even those of us who really cherish our alone time as a way to recharge have a limit for the amount of solitude that we can tolerate. And I think that is top of mind for a lot of us right now is, you know, we are social beings and we need each other. We need community. And, you know, whether you are someone who has a wide circle of friends or a small one there, you'll always have your people, right? And it's important to find them and single them out and know who they are because they are the people who will be there in your, in your, I almost said hotel room. I wish it had been that little <laughs> room, you know, if, if it ever comes to that, um, they're important. So. Absolutely. Now, um, I know you kind of touched on it a bit why you, you know, left your previous uh, job and started your own business, but kind of what inspired you to step to start Stout Heart and what was kind of the driving purpose behind that? Sure. I, anybody familiar with the marketing or advertising agency world knows it is a very fast paced place and it uh, from the outside looks really cool because so many of us have ping pong tables or, you know, unlimited vacation policies and a lot of cool people work in this industry, but on the inside, it can be an icky place. And um, for me, I've always struggled with like my moral compass versus my career and wanting, wishing that they could overlap more. So Stout Heart was really a direct result of bad experiences I had had with ethical compromise in my career. And the reality is if you steer your own ship, that's the best way to avoid having to compromise your own you know, values. So Stout Heart really was an effort to make sure that, you know, the clients we take on are clients with whom we agree 
you know, value-wise, personality-wise, we try and weed out the bad seeds early so that we're not stuck working with them to the point where, you know, even clients who we've had for a while, if they speak unkindly to one of my employees, they will get a phone call from me saying, this is not how we work. Um, if we have a client who asks us, you know, um, to steal cultural references for the sake of marketing, we will say that doesn't sit right with us. Um, we're kind of, you know, we take a, we take a certain type of person to work with or a certain type of brand and we're not for everybody, but it's really important to me that I don't have to, like I said, compromise my own values in my work. And I don't expect my employees to do that just for the sake of a paycheck either. So, um, and also the work that we do is really good. I will say, you know, like we're a small shop, but if you came across a website that we built, you would be hard pressed to guess <laughs> that we were just a little guy from somewhere in New Hampshire. So. Yeah, we'll make sure to put the link on the show notes uh, so everybody can check that out. You know, I know when I started my own business, I was doing everything by myself and I made a lot of mistakes when it oh, came gosh. to marketing. <laughs> so what would you say kind of the three biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to marketing when they're starting off? Oh boy, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or 10. Um, I mean, one of the biggest ones is neglecting branding from the very start. I think that, um, and I, I totally understand. I, I've worked my entire career in this world, so obviously I think it's important. It's really easy if you don't have a marketing background to think that branding is not actually that important. The reality is it exists for a reason. It's all about the psychology behind not you, but who your prospective client or user or buyer is. And so you have to figure out what it what space in their mind you want to occupy and do that with a brand. And you know, the number of people who created their own logo or had their cousin do it or, you know, whatever. I totally understand. I've started a business too. You don't want to spend every dollar you've got in the beginning. However, the number of people who have had sort of a hack job in the beginning who have come to us eventually, it, like it's amazing <laughs> because they eventually realize, okay, this isn't quite right. We got to fix this. And that goes for websites too, honestly, you know, and I understand like you get a Squarespace you know, site up, you get a Wix site up, they're easy. However, eventually, if you are a growing business, they will impede your growth. And so I think it's important to realize your business evolves, your branding evolves, your website has to evolve, your marketing has to evolve. Um, and so I would say number one is uh, thinking that those things don't matter. Um, they really, really matter. Um, and I guess another one would be the flip side, assuming that marketing is a silver bullet, marketing cannot fix a poor product. Um, and if you are a business owner, it really matters to you, you know, all the work that you've put into starting your business. But the reality is you can't ask a marketing agency to market you if somebody buys the product and does not like it or it does not see the value in it. And that's a really hard thing to come to terms with, I think, as a business owner, you know, is like, oh, maybe this isn't, there's not a need for this or not a desire for this. That's a tough one. Um, and then I would say, I think um, 
there's also, especially with one person businesses or solopreneurs, um, this idea that branding doesn't matter for that either, but you are your own brand. Um, and so the way you speak to others, the way you come across on social media, the way you come across in person, that is a, a brand in itself and is, like I said about like a business brand, that's occupying space in somebody's mind. And so I think it's important to take a look at, you know, the image that you would like to portray to people as smarmy as sometimes that sounds and not saying don't be, I'm not saying be someone you're not. I'm saying, think about who you are authentically and how you can communicate that to others. So That's perfect. And yeah, I spent a lot of time in the beginning thinking about who do I want to serve? Who do I want to speak to? And I created my mission statement or vision statement that I read every morning to myself. And I'm like, my purpose, I know, see, I learned some things, Um, you know, my purpose above profit, right? I have to, as long as I'm focused on my purpose and I know exactly who I'm talking to and it started to grow and develop, which has been, you know, thank you for those tips. Those are, those are fantastic tips. Now, Um, let's pivot a little bit over to the podcast because I'd love to hear about, you know, you guys started a podcast. It's called Making Headway. Um, can you talk a bit about kind of what inspired you to start the podcast? Sure. So my friend Aaron, who I referenced earlier, one of my best friends um, during the pandemic, actually in the first two months of lockdown, I think it was May 2020, um, she suffered a subarachnoid hemorrhage, so a spontaneous explosion basically in her brain was rushed to the hospital. Um, she recovered fairly quickly, but it rocked her world understandably. And we were lucky to have each other to talk to about that. And, um, we were in each other's sort of pandemic pod. So last summer, summer, 2020, we spent a week together actually at my family's summer place. And I had just had a baby too. So talk about a weird time in life. But, um, so when you have a baby, you're up at all hours in the middle of the night. And I was breastfeeding one night and, you know, like probably like two in the morning, I was like, Aaron has a brain injury. I have a brain injury. We, felt lonely, you know, without having each other to talk to, there must be so many other people who feel this way about their brain injuries. Because brain injury, like so many traumas is invisible, you know, like you can't walk by someone on the street, usually, and know that they have a brain injury. Um, So it's a very uh, far dispersed community, you know, we tend to be far from one another or not even know others exist. So that morning over breakfast, I was like, Hey, Aaron, this is going to be crazy. You're going to say no, but you know, we like talking about this with each other. What if we just make it into a podcast and put it out there and see if others embrace it. And I did think she was going to say no, but she immediately said yes. (laughs) So we took a couple months to get organized, but we started off in November, 2020 and it's grown insanely because I think really a we're all isolated from one another because of the pandemic and also be, you know, many brain injury survivors don't know another survivor. So just having any voice over the internet um, to listen to about it is a help and a support. So what we've done is we divide our time between interviewing other survivors and also medical practitioners, because that's another one is 
the brain is a hard one to understand <laughs> as much as we do know it's still a mystery in many ways and so a lot of brain injury survivors are still looking for answers about what their best treatment plan is or you know how to mitigate their symptoms or how to find support or you know there are a billion things and our medical system don't get me started on this one everything's siloed you know like um you'd go to a neurologist and then you potentially go to an optometrist but you know you're sort of left to figure out what the other pieces of the puzzle are for yourself versus you know a more functional approach where they look at your body holistically and say okay well you you like let's run some tests oh it turns out you have a hormone imbalance because of the brain injury let's look at your nutrition let's look at your gut there's so many you know moving pieces that don't get addressed unless the survivor actually raises their hand and says something's not right let's get to the bottom of this so the idea is is putting as much knowledge out there as we can so that people can say that sounds like something that would be a help to me let me talk to my doctor so yeah. And what a niche that is. I mean, you don't, yeah. right? And so yeah. we always joke that it's like the club that we never wanted to be a part of. <laughs> but it's actually like, it's a great community of people. It's just, you know, like none of us actually signed up for it. <laughs> so, well, that's the thing. You never know until you put yourself out there. Like I, you know, was like, well, I'm going to go into health because I need to reclaim control over my health. And that's how I started. But I never realized how many entrepreneurs there actually were in a state of recovery. Like mm-hmm. until I actually reached out, I had more responses from niching way down than I did before. Yeah, it makes sense. And honestly, I mean, I think many kinds of trauma survivors can relate to one another across the bridges of the types of trauma. Like, I mean, this conversation is a good example. Our trauma is not the same trauma, but like there's a connection there because I think, you know, deep down the root of a lot of things is similar. So, um, and the things you have to endure and that grit piece, you know, finding other people with it, it's always a nice thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I love the grit. Now, Mariah, if people want to learn more about what you do, how can they get a hold of you? A couple ways. Um, if you are interested in Stoutheart, you can look us up. We're stoutheart.com and we are on Instagram. We post a whole lot of work and quirky, weird things about our team because we are a quirky team. We are at stoutheartadv on Instagram. And uh, if you are interested in checking out the Making Headway podcast, we are on all podcast platforms near you. And um, you can check us out on the interwebs at makingheadwaypodcast.com. And we are Making Headway Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And Twitter had me shortened it, shorten it. So it's Making Headway Po. <laughs> <laughs> when I did it, Aaron was like, why, why on earth? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, but we're out there. Please do check us out. So. Awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about this. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And again, just some strategies to help you grow and improve your business. And of course, you know, talking to these experts, we can learn what to do and what not to do. I know that I have benefited so much from these chats. It's like a mini education session every single time I do an interview and I absolutely love it. Now, don't forget, come join us for our Collaboration Zone Zoom calls, which start July 1st. I am super, super pumped about this. 
and you can register at www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone and I'll see you there. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.